Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. So this morning we're continuing with our series on money matters. And before that we'll pray and get going. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you Lord that you've called us to be a generation that knows God and walks with God. And Father, this morning I pray that your word will transform every lie into the truth and that freedom will break forth in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 (laughs) That's right. So, last week we started with the series on money matters and many people have a concern about finances being dealt in the church. I'm telling you that Jesus had the same situation because many of his illustrations and parables had to do with finances. And there is no way that we will abdicate our responsibility to teach the people of God concerning money and give that over to the devil. Amen? There are only two sources of information on the earth right now. One is God and one is Satan. Amen? And he is known as the father of lies and many of us are free in our hearts because we're born again, but we're in bondage in our lives because we've bought a lie. We believe the lie of the enemy. And so last week we spoke about the heart of the matter and the importance of putting Christ at the center of your finances and removing anxiety from your heart and not living a life that is full of worry, that is trusting in money. And today we are continuing along those lines and we're going to speak about greed. Tell your neighbor, are you greedy? The serpent's temptation in the garden of Eden. And what is remarkable is that many people have an idea that in their heart there is no greed because they are too rich or too poor or too this or too that. And I want to submit to us this morning That the temptation of the serpent to Eve was in a world where everything was right. And yet, the devil managed to make her feel like something was missing. And many of us, if we don't have a revelation concerning what Christ has done for us, we begin to live a life where our hearts and our minds are pursuing after something that we already have. In the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 6, it says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, She took some of it and ate it and also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And the question was, why did she do that? God created the earth and the heavens and he created everything and after that he created mankind. You will notice that God didn't start with mankind and have him go hungry for six days 
before the food and the trees and the animals came along. But he made provisions at first. This is deliberate order. He first made provisions for Adam and Eve, and then he brought them upon the sea. And many times we have this idea that God is not aware of my need. He is unaware of what he's called me to do. And so I must persuade him and remind him of the fact that he needs to meet my needs for the task that he has called me to fulfill. Which is a misunderstanding. And the word of God says, it says that God told them that you can eat of every tree in the garden. And you will look at Genesis chapter 3 in the first verses. It speaks about how the, the serpent was cunning, deceitful. It's when you think you're right, but you're not, and you don't know it. When you think you're on the right path, but you're not, and you don't know it. And in verse 3 it said, that the serpent said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? God didn't say that. He said, You shall eat of every tree of the garden, except this one. And the devil twisted it. And he said, No. He said, You shall not, tree. You, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden. And left it there. And so we realize that the heart of man, when the heart of man is not persuaded concerning the truth, it is inevitable, it is inevitable to buy into the lie of the enemy. Tell your neighbor, if you don't believe the truth, you must believe a lie. You have no choice. Amen? Light and darkness have no fellowship. It's either one or the other. In every area in your life where there is no truth, there is a lie. And where there is a lie, there is destruction. Amen? And so we begin to understand from the Word of God that He has principles that come from His heart. And His heart is that the best is made available for his sons and his daughters. In Colossians chapter 3 verse 5 it says, Put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. So the question of greed is a question of God's. The issue of greed is an issue of worship. The issue of greed is an issue of trust. And it says, put to death, therefore. Who is he speaking to? To you. God, help me. Put to death this that is in me. No. <laughs> I told you to put it to death. Many people are begging and asking God for things that God has told them to do in their lives. But because they are ignorant of the truth, they then become delinquent 
in their actions. And how many of you understand that that's the plan of the enemy? You know, many times the enemy is not powerful enough to kill you. If he could, you wouldn't be here now. If he could just come to your house and kill you just like that, he would have done it already. But the, the point is that he doesn't have all that much power. But the power that he does definitely have is what you give him. And the most powerful one is when he brings suicide into your life. He gets you to do the destroying yourself. And you'll notice that Eve started and she partook of the fruit and then she did what? She also shed it. Tell your neighbor all the lies you believe. You will share with all your friends and family and all your children. Don't do it. Amen? But some people are like, no, this is my truth. I'm living my truth. I don't care if it's a lie, it's my truth. And you'll understand that people are propagating their lie truth. Why? Because you cannot, you cannot restrain words. They are the primary forces in God's creation. The only thing that you can do is agree with the truth or with the lie. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9, we read it last week. It says, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and trap and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil some people eager for money have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs and some of you might be here this morning and you are saying no pastor i am not rich i would submit to you this morning if you came in a car, you're in the top 1% in the world. If you have money in the bank, you're in the top. Look at your neighbor and say, you are so rich, man. Because <laughs> this, this is the problem. In the midst of your wealth, you'll complain. And you'll categorize yourself as poor in reference to the richest person around you. If you have three meals every day, you're rich. Hmm. <laughs> and you know... There's nothing wrong with wealth and riches. There's nothing wrong with wealth and riches because God is wealthy. You understand that? God is very wealthy. Uh, out of your mind wealthy. There's nothing wrong with wealth and riches. The problem is the heart of man. That's the problem. <laughs> 
I tell you now, there are some of us who are saying, Lord, I just need one billion. Then my walk with you will be on another level. I'm telling you, there are some sins that you have not even thought of because there's not finances for those sins. There's not enough sponsorship for that kind of debauchery. When the money comes, all of a sudden that wife is not good enough for this kind of brother. All of a sudden your husband is no longer on your standard. And you will notice that the issue many times is not how poverty affects a man, but how wealth affects a man. Make a man poor, he will, he will surely run to God. Make a man rich, he will worship himself. And the issue is that this greed doesn't stop in the heart of an individual. It can become a national scourge. A national disease. There are nations that have fallen. The empires of Rome and Persia. Because of greed. That men, for the sake of power, were willing to kill even their mother. And this is not something to toy with. This is not something to play with. This is something to get rid of. This is something to get rid of. Matthew 6 verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Other versions say God and money. But the money itself is not the mammon. The mammon is the spirit that wants to be worshipped and trusted behind the money. You can have little money and be worshipping mammon. Many people have this idea, rich people are so greedy. They just want everything for themselves. Mm -mm. It's not a rich or poor thing. There are some poor people who are very greedy. Tell your neighbor, very greedy. <laughs> Why? Because poverty seems to have been equated with piety. Especially during the dark ages when the Catholic Church was going through its time without the word of God. And corruption was in the church. Several vows were brought out to then resist this past where the church was so greedy and taking advantage of people. And the priests were required to do three things. They were required to make a vow of celibacy if they want to be a priest, meaning don't marry. Bad idea. The Word of God says that if anyone teaches you should not get married, it's a doctrine of demons. And if anyone teaches you shouldn't eat certain kind of foods for the sake of spirituality, it's a doctrine of demons. And so the other vow that they had to make is the vow of poverty. If you are going to be a man representing God, you must vow to be poor. This came in in the dark ages. It is still in the church today. If the pastor comes driving something that is... 
And they are like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Satan is in this church. Amen? And how many of you understand that the issue is not the finances? The issue is not the money, the issue is the heart. So number one, it's possible to have greed in a perfect world. Number two, faith in God is freedom from greed. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, keep your life free from the love of money. Not free from money, but free from the love of money. In fact, the parables that Jesus gives, where he makes an analogy of, of God and a, a master of a field or, or a master of a farm, at many times he is giving the servants money to manage. It says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. What does it mean to be content? Be satisfied. Feel complete with what you have. The Apostle Paul said it this way. I know what it is to have much and to have little. I know what it is to have a lot to eat and to go hungry and to fast. He says, if we have clothes on our back and food to eat, let us be content therewith. This is the threshold of contentment. Anything that you have above the clothes on your back, which you have here this morning, and the food that you eat, means that you are above that which you could be content with. You've got something to praise God for. And it says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, who? God. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It is not based on what is your, in your pocket or in your account. It is based on the creator's promise to you. Your contentment is not based on what you see. It is based on what the word of God is revealing to you. Do you trust God? Do you think that God is a, a man that he should lie? No. If that is the case, then be content. Don't allow greed to grip your heart. Where you begin to be motivated by money in every decision that you make. I can't go on mission. Why not? Because I need to go on holiday. What's the issue actually? No, I have to apportion the money of the holiday to the mission. Oh, okay. Okay. And that money thing will test your heart every day. It says, God will never leave you nor forsake you so that we can confidently say. Now, this is the key. As you are studying the word of God, learn this principle. Don't just study the word of God, have your quiet time, and you have nothing to say afterwards. The principle of Rhema, the principle of the creative, transformative power of the word of God is that what comes in your heart needs to be expressed in your mouth. We also have the same spirit of faith. We have believed, therefore we have spoken. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
If the mouth is not speaking it, it is not abundant in the heart yet. In, if it's not abundant in the heart yet, it's not at the conviction level where it will change any situation. The word of God must dominate your circumstances. But the way that it does it is that it comes into your heart and then from your heart begins to exert commands. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The revelation, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But what do you hear brother so and so saying? Hey, it's tough, you know. I will never, I will never make it. Why is he saying that? Because of what he has heard. And this is what we say how? Confidently. In the midst of people. Because sometimes you don't want to be confident because people are going to say, let's just be real, Andrew. Let's just be real. Sometimes the wife will say, let's just be real, please, these spiritual things. <laughs> you are trying to put faith in the situation. Let's just be real here. This is real. In the book of Hebrews 11, it says that we know that the worlds were framed by the word of God. The seen realm was made from the unseen realm. If you believe that, then surely God will supply your need. This is what we must say, and this is the practice this week and going forward. I will never, he said, God told me, this is what you must speak in your inner room. God told me, whenever that thought comes that, oh, you are in trouble, God told me, he will never leave me, nor forsake, nor forsake me. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Do you see? But it can't just be words. Because many people say, what, what is that word again? Then they text their connect group. What is those words again we must say? The Lord is my help. Okay, the Lord is my help. Uh-uh. It must be from the revelation of I will never leave you, nor forsake you. So spend your time meditating on I will never leave you. God said he will never leave me. Once it grips you, you begin to say not only the Lord is my help, you'll say things like the Lord is with me. Even though my past, I come from this. I am going into this. Do you see? It's all under the same theme out of the revelation that I will never leave you, nor forsake you. This is why you need not be greedy. You need not covet your neighbors anything. Because the God who created you has made provisions for you. He has thought about your life before you were born. He has made provisions for your life so that when you come on the scene, you take advantage of what God has already provided. Amen. Mohandas Gandhi, Mahatma. <laughs> he said, there is enough on this planet for everyone's need, but not for everyone's greed. I'm telling you, you can have the billions that you prayed about. And when you get them, greed will come again. And say, it's not enough, my brother. 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says, His divine power, God's divine power, has given us or bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness through true and personal knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. 
He has given us what? Everything. Where is it? Because that's what your unsafe friends will ask you. Where is it? This everything that you have. <laughs> and you are saying, I have all things. God is with me. I have all things. Where is it? Or your husband will ask, where is it? This? <laughs> right? You access the things of the Spirit through knowledge. Knowledge is power, truly. Truly. What you don't know will kill you. My people perish, not because the devil is strong. My people perish because of a lack of knowledge. They don't read and study their Bible. They are well acquainted with Sun Tzu and the art of war. They are well acquainted with the wealth of nations. They are well acquainted with NDP5 and the prosperity plans. But they have not read the real prosperity plan. All those things are good. But they cannot access the things that God has made provision for. Who said this? Give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this? Your great people. Who said that? Solomon. Solomon. The son of David. That he got through a scandal. And God's blessing is coming through the bloodline. And what happens is, sacrifices were made and God visits this man. He says, all those bulls that were slaughtered, I'm here, what do you want? And then, he doesn't ask for wealth. He doesn't ask for long life. He doesn't ask for peace from his enemies or destruction of his enemies. He asks for an understanding mind. He asks for something consistent with his calling. He asks for wisdom from God. And after he asks for this, God says, because you have asked this, and you have not asked for wealth, and you have not asked for, for long life, you have not asked for your enemies to be, therefore, I will also give you this is God. Remember the Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because there are some who believe that no, God no longer uh, provides financially. and no. Nonsense. We don't want to know about your God who changed. He's the same. He's the same. In his dealings, he's even more favorable towards us. And he gave to Solomon so much that when the queen of Sheba came from Ethiopia bearing gifts because when you come to royalty like Buckingham Palace this <laughs> last week you must bring gifts don't just come empty handed this is royalty it's not because the king needs it among kings oh. <laughs> some of us we don't understand royalty is fine but God is a king so Queen Sheba comes from Ethiopia. She brings carriages of wealth to Solomon, who is the wealthiest man on earth. And then what happens? She goes back home with her own gifts because that's what happens. And then 
She says, the half of Solomon's wealth and wisdom was not told to me. This is how lavish God was upon this young man. Who, who, who gave it to him? Which God? Is it the same one that you worship and serve? Amen? Because hmm. the devil will tell you, God will not help you. Just make a deal with me. John 14 verse 18. Jesus is about to be crucified. He is talking about the Holy Spirit coming. When I go, it's better that I go. Because if I don't go, then the helper will not come. And it is better for you to have the helper, the spirit of truth. He'll lead you into all truth. He'll remind you of what I taught you. He'll be with you. He'll encourage you. He'll support you. He'll be your standby. He'll be your advocate. He'll be the one who defends you. He'll be the one who helps you and encourages you. The Lord is my helper. And how does he come? Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. The church spiritually is full of Christians who have a sense of an orphan spirit. Their father left them. But that is a lie. The truth is that Jesus has come to us in the form of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit with us. And look at this, Romans 8 verse 15. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. The spirit of slavery is the same spirit that in the Old Testament would threaten them. Hey, watch out you guys. I will surely destroy you guys. Right? That was the relationship that they had because of the nature of the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant produces wrath. You have to be perfect if you are not going to fall under the earth. So you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. What is Abba? Is the Israelite or, or Jewish way of saying, Daddy. Not just, oh Father, oh Almighty. Not that distance, but the closeness. Daddy, can I quickly use your phone? <laughs> right? It's that one. We cry out, Abba, Father, from within. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. So the Holy Spirit is constantly telling you, you are a child of God. Constantly. Not only so that you know it, so that you understand the implications of what it means. I'm a child of God. And then it says, if you are children, then... As. As. It means you have inherited something. Have you ever told your friends when they ask, Oh, are you in someone's will? Have you ever inherited something? What is the usual response? No. Why? Because you are only thinking in natural terms. Spiritual things are not real to you. <laughs> You are an heir of God and a fellow heir or joint heir with Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Everything that belongs to the testator has been given to his son. And you are a joint heir with him. And some may say, no, but that inheritance is only for when we die. No, 
That's not how testamentary law works. The, 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 the estate does not inherit or, 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 or does not get bequeathed at the death of the heir. Who is the heir? You guys. So when we die, now we inherit. No. <laughs> the, the inheritance is bequeathed at the death of the testator. Who is the testator? Remember when he said this is the cup of the new? Testament. The old testament has passed. He brought in a new testament. What is a testament? It's a will. This is the cup of the new will. In my blood. Based on promises, better promises, better blood. And so, at that night, when the testator dies, and this is what Hebrews says, if you're not sure, go read Hebrews. It says that the, the will becomes, it becomes operative at the death of the testator. So when did you inherit? When Christ died, the will was made available. Then the, the lawyer was sent from heaven. The advocate was sent from heaven. And he comes to make sure those uncles will not take your portion. <laughs> oh, Africa. <laughs> he comes to make sure, hey, this, is, this is the sons. And so the Holy Spirit has come, and now you have received something. And the issue is that maybe you didn't pitch on the day when these things were being discussed. Doesn't matter, you don't have to be present at the meeting. You might have been in England studying. But here, <laughs> here they were busy with the bequest. The lawyer must make sure that he calls you and says, Son, you have inherited something. Sometimes you could have inherited something. If you are not aware, you will struggle right there. You are in England. Where are you from? No, I'm from Africa. <laughs> I have nothing. I'm very, very poor. And I come last week. <laughs> you became a millionaire. You don't know it. How will you live there in ignorance? Same life. And what is the devil's plan? Break the telephone lines. Break the Wi-Fi. No communications. <laughs> Between this side of, keep him out of church. Keep him out of connect. Keep him away from anyone that will tell him the truth about what he has. Then let him call home every other day and say, hey, is there something there to come? When you became born again, not of the will of man, but because of the will of God, you became an, a child of God. It says in, in 1 John, it says that he came to his own. His own did not receive him. But to everyone who received him, he gave them power to become sons of God. Not born of blood, but born of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth. Do not marvel if I tell you, you must be born again. So you are born into this thing, you become an heir, and now you have this thing. Continue. Look here, Matthew 6.33. We highlighted this last week. Consider it says, remember everyone knows how to, uh, how to quote the scripture, right? It says, don't worry what you will eat, what you will wear, no, 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 all of those things. Then it says, but seek first his and his and all these things will be given unto you as? 
Okay. What does it mean to seek? Hmm? To search. It says ask and you will. Knock and you will. It will be open. Seek and you will. Okay. So it's not about endless seeking. I am seeking endlessly. Where? 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 <laughs> where, where is it? Where is it? Mm -mm. It's seek and you will? Okay. Seek first the? And his? What are the two things that you must seek for? Kingdom and? Okay. What does Luke 17 say concerning the kingdom? It says, they ask him, when are you, where is this kingdom? When are you going to bring this kingdom? The Pharisees asked Jesus. And what did Jesus say? The kingdom of God does not come by observation. Oh, okay. Please write this scripture. People don't know this scripture. It doesn't come by observation. You will not say, there is the kingdom. There is the kingdom. For the kingdom of God is within. Please put it up. Yes. Let's read it together. We're running out of time. One, two, go. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God will come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God that can be observed. Next one. No people say. Mm -hmm. Because the kingdom of God. This version says in your midst. The, the original version and all the other versions say within you. Meaning in your midst. Not in your midst. It's in your midst. Inside of you. Okay. Righteousness. Seek first the righteousness of God. What is the righteousness of God? What does Romans 1 verse 16 and 17 say? Oh, hold on. We must read it. Huh? Romans 1 verse 16 and 17. Let's read together one to go. For I am not ashamed of the... Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Question. Have you received the righteousness of God? The Bible says God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God. So are you still seeking the righteousness of God? Hmm. Why is there this distinction? It's because of Jesus' positioning. Where is he saying, seek first the kingdom of God? Before the cross or after the cross? Because before the cross. <laughs> Before, guys, Sermon on the Mount, chapter 6. Before. Before the kingdom of God came through Christ's work, before the righteousness of God was made available at Christ's death and resurrection, Jesus cannot say anything but this. And then, this applies to everyone there because no one has the kingdom and no one has the righteousness of God. But you, tell your neighbor, but you, are you born again, you? 
if you are born again, then you have received a kingdom within you. What is a kingdom? It's a reign. The reign of God. You have received it within you. It's as since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. You have received. This is why it says, and he has made us kings and priests. How can we be kings without a kingdom? You have received. It says even in, in Luke, né? when it says, do not worry and all of that, then it says, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. At which point? When Christ dies on the cross and he raises from the dead, then we are also raised together with him. And then he ascends and we ascend together with him. And when he is seated on his throne in his kingdom, we are seated together with him. Do you understand? So therefore, revelation. This seek here for the believer should be slightly different. Give us the next one. We are running out of time. First Corinthians chapter 2. Let's read together. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also one comprehends the thoughts of God except no one. Yes. Except the spirit. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now look here. Verse 12, together. Now we have received, not the spirit of the, but the spirit who is from so that we might that are freely given us of God. The other version doesn't say might understand. It says so that you might know. It means so that you might become aware. So that the brother in England can become aware that he has become an heir. It will change your whole life. We were seeing this morning, you are a chosen general, walk in power, walk in miracle, live a life of... And some of you are saying, no, that, I'm not doing that yet. You can't think like that. We walk by faith and not by sight. You must first see on the inside before you see on the outside. You must first sing these things because they are as true as ever. But that devil is a carnal devil. He wants you to always be motivated by what you see, what you hear, but what you taste, what you feel. It's like Thomas. If I do not see and put my hands and poke in the pains of my master, disrespectful Thomas, I will not believe. And God humors him. When he appears, he says, Thomas, come. Put your hand here. And, put your, and he falls on his knees and says, my Lord, my God. This kingdom that you have received, this righteousness that you have received, you must now understand it. Time's up. You must now understand it. The Christian walk is not a searching walk. You have now come to Mount Zion, to an innumerable company of angels, to the souls of righteous men made perfect. You've come to the new Jerusalem. You've come to that place. You are in but you don't know what you have. 
And so what must you do? Spend time in the Word. Spend time getting wisdom, getting understanding. Speaking in tongues. Why? The Holy Spirit was sent to teach us things with spiritual words. Wisdom. We speak wisdom in mysterious language. And then he begins to interpret it. And you begin to see yourself differently. Where is covetousness? Where is greed? I'm too busy discovering what I already have received. Why will I look for something else if I have received all things in Christ? Beyond what men seek after. What shall it profit a man that he gains the whole wealth and you forfeit his soul? Do not exchange, like they said, do not exchange what you have received as an inheritance for a bucket of soup that will be, that will be rotten next week. But value your inheritance in Christ. Value it. Don't make your Christianity religious activities. Make it realities that you are discovering, that apply to your family, apply to your life, apply to your nation, apply to your business. These are real things. Amen? Amen. I think I've got one last slide, yes. Just some principles and then we, we close. Number one, key to freedom from greed, give thanks. Magnify what you have. Thank him for what you have in the natural and thank him for what you have in the spirit. You will always be able to shun greed when you are full of thanksgiving. It's when you start to complain. (laughs) When you start to complain, that's when greed comes. The devil will give you an alternative. Number two, give in percentiles. Give in percentages. Meaning, as your wealth begins to grow, Have one tree that is set aside to say, this one is God's. It will always keep you in balance. I remember there was a time, sorry, I'm going over time, but I'm just going to conclude this. There was a time when I stopped tithing. Why? Because I got a revelation that I'm not under the law. (laughs) Not under the law. It says, do not give under compulsion. Let every man decide in his heart what he will give. Guess what I was giving? Nothing. (laughs) And in that time, still got blessings. Might have been residuals from the old sewing. <laughs> but, but, I came to a realization that this is not how God lives. Every penny for myself, chocolates <laughs> and more chocolates. And what happened is the blessedness of being generous. The blessedness where it says more blessed to give than to receive. To be on the side where God stands and takes care of others. That was robbed. I went back. But with the right heart, I started to tithe. I started to give more than tithing. Right? And I'm settling in my heart. I want to increase so that it will be like 20% or 30% of my givings. Everything to God. And as my resources increase, I won't encroach on that. Yeah, I think with this 30%, we can buy another sports car. No, we can feed more orphans. We can send more students to university. We can do more missions. We can, do you see? Settle in your heart, your relationship with God, what you have received. And then number three, give your treasure to move your heart. It says that where the, heart, where the 
where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It doesn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. The treasure moves first, then moves the heart. Ask the boyfriends. <laughs> Let us stand. We are over time. So when God calls you to an extraordinary work, he'll provide everything that you need. Amen. Put your hand on your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for what I've received in Christ. Thank you for renewing my mind. Thank you for the kingdom that is within me. Thank you for the righteousness that I am. Give me wisdom, O oh God. Let me discover what you have given me. Thank you, Lord. For everything I've received. Thank you for everything I have naturally. And thank you Lord for everything I've got spiritually. I praise you God. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources. Please visit envintook.org.